You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Listen, when we're caught between that proverbial rock and a hard place, always remember, as a child of God, it is in God's hand. You're never forsaken. You're never alone in your circumstances, no matter how bleak those circumstances may seem. So this is the time when it is so important that we commit our ways completely unto the Lord. I mean, anybody can commit their lives to the Lord when everything is going well, right? When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you commit your life to Him. But sometimes we need to reevaluate our commitment. You may have strayed, wandered, or become confused on your journey. It happens to everyone. You're certainly not alone. But as Pastor Mike reminds you today, God never leaves you or forsakes you. If you feel far from God, it's because you turned your back, not the other way around. So recommit your life to God, be renewed, and set straight again. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 15 as he begins his message, Commitment of Our Circumstances. title is Commitment of Our Circumstances, or another title that I could have given, I'm Not Going to Worry About It Anymore. The story here in chapter 15 all begins with Absalom, who was one of David's sons, who stole the hearts of the people of Israel and rebelled against his father, uh, David. And remember, there's a movement now awry to unseat David as king over Israel. And his son Absalom has eyes upon the throne. And last time, Absalom had gathered together an army down in the city of Hebron, where he had been proclaimed the new king. Remember, uh, in the same chapter in verse 10. And he is now marching on the city of Jerusalem to take the city, to take the capital of, of Israel. Well, David, wanting to avoid its destruction, that is the destruction of the city of Jerusalem, and the shedding of innocent blood retreats and leaves Jerusalem an open city. In fact, let's go back to verse 14 of this chapter, and let's just go ahead and review that one more time. So chapter 15 and verse 14. So David said to all of his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, so David is aware of the fact that his son is coming with these men and they're looking to take the, uh, the city, arise and let us flee or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, 
lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the uh, sword. So, David here is retreating into the wilderness with hopes of prolonging his life long enough to mount a counterattack. Now, as some of David's loyal subjects are gathering together there at the entrance or the city uh, gates there in Jerusalem, along came this fellow whose name was Zadok, who was the high priest. And he came along with some of the Levites, some of the priests, carrying the sacred ark of the covenant. So, that sets the tone and it brings us to our text. So let's go ahead now and read verses 25 and 26 here in chapter 15. So verse 25. Then the king said to Zadok, carry the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both it and its dwelling place. But if he says thus, I have no delight in you, here I am, let him do to me as seems good to him. Okay, now, that also brings us to our first point. David had come to the most trying time of his life. He's not a young man anymore. He's not as powerful as he once was. He no longer had the strength or endurance he once knew. So folks, for David, things aren't really looking all that good. Can you imagine being betrayed by your son who's actually looking to take your life and unseat you as the king over Israel? Could any of us actually imagine that taking place? Now for David, this was not the first time someone was seeking to take his life. Remember Saul. And, uh, but back then, remember, David was uncumbered and could move around freely and uh, quickly. But this flight that's being described for us here in chapter 15 would be much more difficult. Why was that? Because he fleeing Jerusalem would have had to bring along his family with him, his wives, his children. And that also meant uh, he would also have to carry along with him the things necessary to care for their uh, needs. And he knows sooner or later his son Absalom is going to catch up with him. So, Here's a time, talk about a rock and a hard place, here's a time that could fill anyone's heart with discouragement and fear because of the uncertainty of David's future. Have any of you ever experienced something like this? I'm sure you can relate to David's experience, probably not to the same degree as with David. I, I hope and I trust there's no one seeking to take your life. But nevertheless, there's been times where our backs are up against the wall. We don't really know what to turn. It seems as if it's going to be lights out. Right? And uh, we just really don't know what to do. And we open our hearts to fear. And we become uh, discouraged. And also, so the outlook was looking pretty bleak for uh, David. And the popular movement of the people is with Absalom. Remember, he had stolen the hearts of uh, the people of Israel. And there's only a pitiful few that remain faithful and true to David. So his fleeing is just going to prolong the inevitable. It's all over. And I'm sure uh, David was thinking uh, exactly that. So this is one of the lowest points in David's life. He had hit rock bottom. His friends had now, most of his friends anyway, had forsaken him. There's no escaping and there's no way out. Now that brings us to our second point. The reason why you know, I'm encouraging you to take these notes 
because you know, sometime during the week, I, I'd encourage you to go back and, and review these points, because God has a way of embellishing the messages that I share in any of our services. He adds to them, right? And uh, we'll find the relevancy of these points you know, in our own life's experience. So take some time out during the week and go back and you know, go over some of the things that I've talked, and you know, God will probably add. Uh, and you know, speak to your hearts in that matter of fact and, and even in a more relevant kind of a way. So anyway, with that said, that brings us to our second point, and that is all in God's hands. And listen, when we're caught between that proverbial rock and a hard place, always remember, as a child of God, it is in God's hands. You're never forsaken. You're never alone in your circumstances, no matter how bleak those circumstances may seem. So this is the time when it is so important that we commit our ways completely unto the Lord. I mean, anybody can commit their lives to the Lord when everything is going well, right? When you have that good job and you're able to, by the, by the way, uh, to pay your mortgage on time, right? Uh, you have the nice car. You have all of the money that you need to take care of all of your financial responsibilities, You know, it's so easy to say in those uh, situations, Lord, you're so good, it's all in your hands, right? When everything just seems to be falling into uh, place. But it's when it seems that everything has turned against you and everybody has forsaken you, you don't have the strength to face your problems and you don't have the ability to run. That place where there seems to be no answer at all. It's just hopeless. It is in that place where if we don't commit everything to the Lord, we will be destroyed, that is destroyed mentally. We'll become like a basket case. Well, I like David's attitude here in our text. Go back to verses 25 and 26. Notice David's uh, way that he related to these circumstances. He basically said, I'm paraphrasing, here I am, Lord, it's up to you. Do what you want. And listen, that's actually a great position to take and to be in. You know, just, just resting in the Lord. Just slipping on over to Him. You know, the Bible tells us to cast all of our care upon Him because He cares for you. And you know, I think each and every one of us needs to get to that place where we know this as a truth. And by the way, this is a process. This isn't something that happens overnight. I would remind you that there were other times in David's life's experience where he didn't turn to the Lord, when he took matters into his own hands. And things just actually gotten worse for him for doing that, right? Rather than, first of all, appealing to the Lord, seeking the Lord, you know, casting all of his care and burden upon uh, the Lord. So this is a part of a process that takes place in the life of the best of us as Christians. So anyway, David said to Zadok, the high priest, take the ark back into the city. We're not going to depend upon a religious relic to save us. I'm going to depend completely upon God. You know, I want you to think about this. How many people today depend upon things like, for example, medals that they wear around their neck or statues they have in their homes or on their front lawns? You know, they depend to them, they make their appeal to those things to save them, you know, in times of distress, in times of calamity. So David basically is saying here, listen, if we see the ark again, 
That's God's business. Whatever seems good to him. I'm completely committed to the purpose and the plan that God may have for me. So David here is acknowledging, I cannot change what God has ordained. Knowing if I seek to fight against the plan of God, I'm destined to lose. And all I'll experience is futility and frustration. Once again, all of us need to get to that place. You know, this is what is a part of our totally being surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We're just leaving it with him. Now, that brings us to our third point. God may have another way. And I'm sure at this point, when the news had come back to him about his son Absalom and his intentions and stuff, probably David was planning, he was thinking about, what can I do? How can I you know, resolve this issue? How can I get myself out of this? How can I protect my family? You know, as we so often do when trouble comes to knocking at our door. You know, we're trying to calculate the, the ways that we're going to respond to those kinds of circumstances and situations. But I would remind you, God always has another way. There's always a blueprint. God has a very definite way of uh, relieving us in those times of distress. You know, I want to share an observation with you. You know, how hard it is for those who make demands upon God to face these kinds of situations. You know, like, for example, the positive confession people, right? And, and listen, I, you know, I, I want to, you know, the name it and claim it uh, gang. And I'm not trying to be unkind here. In fact, I'm very concerned about those people. And, uh, you know, rather than seeking God through the council or through uh, prayer, you know, they just think that they can just name it and claim it, like God is some genie in a bottle or some spiritual Santa Claus, and they make their demands of, of, of God, right? And uh, they're actually giving God the blueprint on how he might be able to get them out of their particular situations. But once again, God may have a completely another uh, way in dealing with those situations. So I'm not trying to be unkind by referring to the name and claimant or positive confession of people. I'm concerned about those people. You know, the, the people have bought into that because they attend churches where that kind of a teaching is uh, taught. But it's not scriptural. Some people have misunderstood prayer, and that's the first thing that we need to do when we find ourselves in those situations. We appeal unto God through a prayer. But you see, here's the problem. People have misunderstood prayer. They think it is telling God what you want him to do, as though I am in control, and God has to submit to my authority. You see, true prayer is petitioning God for what you would like him to do, but it is asking and not telling him what to do. Remember, the real purpose of prayer is not to get our will done, but God's will done in us and through us. So don't ever forget that. He is the Lord. I am his servant. He is not bound to do what I ask. And i got to tell you something. Many times, he doesn't do the things that I ask him to do. And I also got to mention, I'm so grateful. Because, you know, some of the times in my past experience, even in my walk with the Lord, you know, I've asked him for things that would have been destructive in my experience in my walk and my relationship with uh, him that would have impacted my relationship with him in a very bad way. Father really does know, know best, right? 
And I'm so glad there have been times when I petitioned the Lord where I thought I was so right, I really needed this thing to happen or that thing to, you know, and, and God just, you know, does it in a completely different way altogether. So when immediately God doesn't respond to our prayers, and most of the times when he doesn't, we come to the wrong conclusion, like God isn't concerned about us, God really doesn't love us, God works for some people but doesn't work for me. You know, we come to the wrong uh, conclusions. Just be thankful. God hears our prayers, and you can be sure of that. So there's just been times when I've prayed for things that were outside of God's will. At the time that I prayed for them, I, I, most of the time I didn't even realize they were outside of God's will. But I'm grateful that in those times God didn't uh, give me what I asked uh, of him because it would have been a destructive force within my life and it would have impacted my relationship with him in the wrong way. So don't ask for things out of God's will, I guess is what I'm saying. Not understanding what God is seeking to do in our lives. You know, God has this capacity to be able to look down the road and around the corner, and, and you know, we don't have that capacity. We can't see that far ahead of us often, right? You know, the Bible tells us all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes, and we need to just stand on that promise. And so when trouble comes to knocking, you know, God has allowed that in the lives of his, of his children, and there might be a plan and a purpose in it. We need to just commit that to the Lord. You know, God will bring something good out of it. You know, his ways are not our ways. His ways are so more superior uh, than our ways. God has resources that we know nothing about. Isn't that true? So we just need to, you know, cast all of our care and our burden upon him because he cares for us. So God may have another uh, way. We should always bring that into the equation when we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. You know, the preferred attitude... If you think about it, this preferred attitude that I'm suggesting here, this position, is a step above the you have to do it, Lord. You know, where we're making our demands upon the Lord. Lord, you just got to do this. You know, that kind of a mentality. Rather, listen, whatever the Lord wants to do, here I am, Lord. Whatever you think is best. Whatever pleases you, God. Whatever seems good in your sight that commitment of the whole thing unto the Lord. And listen, I, and I understand in times like that, it's, it's kind of scary to, to do that, right? But has God ever failed you? I mean, think about your track record. Think about your past experiences. Listen, you're still here, right? You know, just feel yourself for a second there. You know, you've made it this far, right? He isn't going to bail out on you now. He's been faithful and true. Isn't that, tr isn't that right? Right? You can always trust in him. God will come through for you, even as he has done in the past. So knowing again, as I've already suggested, his ways are better than my ways. He possesses resources that I know nothing about. But isn't it funny, when we find ourselves in that situation, we begin to give him all of the directions. We offer him our blueprint to get us out of that particular dilemma, right? But remember, God has a completely different way of doing things. So we just need to rest upon the truth that God loves me. God is concerned about my welfare. He is aware of the circumstances I am facing. And you'll never, you'll never face those circumstances alone. Remember, the Bible tells us he sticks closer to us than a friend. 
So knowing I don't know the way out, I place it in his hands. Listen to what David said, what David wrote. It's recorded for us in the third Psalm in verses 1 through 5. And by the way, this was written out of this particular situation. Absalom coming, looking to unseat his father, actually kill his father, take the city of of Jerusalem, and uh, become Israel's next king. So this psalm was actually written out of this particular experience. Psalm 3, verses 1 through 5. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. Verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice. This is the preferred way of dealing with your circumstances. Just cry out to God. And notice what it says there. And he heard me from his holy hill. And finally, I lay down and slept. You know, how how many of us can sleep when we're faced with these kinds of circumstances? Rather, we're tossing and turning, right? We're fighting with our pillow, and we're up all evening, and right? We're, We're trying to figure out you know, what tomorrow is going to bring, and, and uh, just that restless uh, night of sleep. But notice here, there's complete peace and tranquility. He says, rather, this is what I'm going to do. I lay, after he prayed, committed his ways to the Lord, his circumstances to the Lord, David said, I lay down and I slept. And I awoke for the Lord sustained me. So, this particular psalm was written out of this experience. He didn't even know if he was going to wake up, but it didn't matter. He didn't know who was on Absalom's side at this point. Maybe some of those who had joined together in fleeing the city of Jerusalem was actually spies for Absalom. He didn't know that, but he didn't care. He just basically says, I'm going to go to sleep. Lord, I know that you've sustained me in the past. It's all in your hands whether in life and death. This attitude is even a step above prayer, if you think about it. If the Lord delights in me, he'll bring me back. I'll move back into the city of Jerusalem, back into my own house, and things will be okay once again. If the Lord doesn't, well, that's his business. Let him do what seems good to him. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. Oh, how that we need to get to that place in our life's experience when things go bad, when things go sideways. Now, the Bible speaks of, and this becomes our fourth point, a place of rest for the people of God. Now, let me give you a cross-reference for this. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 4, in verse 9. Now, I want you to stand on this promise. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Unfortunately, many Christians never come to this point in this place where they just really know that rest of God. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long. In the book of 2 Samuel, the king God anointed is finally on the throne. King David, the man after God's heart, is in the place God planned for him. Yet David is still human. And as you continue to study this book with Pastor Mike, you'll see that fact time and time again. 
David falls to the temptation of sin and reaps the consequences of his actions. But he does do one thing consistently. David repents when confronted and returns to the Lord. What an example of faithfulness and mercy. God forgives his chosen leader and restores the relationship that sin had broken. The same God is merciful to you, too, and his forgiveness is just as real when you come to him in repentance. Thanks for listening today to In My Father's House. You can explore more of these messages by searching for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to subscribe. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll find directions and service times at harvestnyc.org. If this broadcast is an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? If you feel led, we're thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. Thanks for partnering with us in this way. That's all for today. Tune in next time for more on In My Father's House.